Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, hey, y'all. Everybody doing good? Good. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited for this message. I got a real expectation for today's message. Let me tell you, I'm 100% convinced it's from the Lord and it's for you today. You showed up today because you need it. So can you just put out your little expector for me today and, and expect God to move, to renew your mind today and to give you something that you've been looking for for a long time? Can you do it? Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to No Limits. So thankful you're joining us. If you're joining us online, just want to say, hey, I'm really glad that you're with us We're continuing, actually, we're wrapping up our series today called God of Miracles. This is part seven, I think. (laughs) Never went that far in a series, but we're finishing it up today. And then next week is going to be Legacy Sunday, which is easily one of our favorite Sundays of the year. I'll tell you more about that at the end of service today. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we want to help you know God. We want to help you find freedom, and we want to help you discover purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were born, right? You don't get there overnight, and you don't get there by yourself. So that's why we're here every Sunday. Some people may look at you and wonder, why do you show up to church every Sunday? It's like, well, because I want to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and that takes some time, and I need my peeps to help me out. So that's what all this is about. And uh, here at No Limits, we have a goal, and it's found in Ephesians 3.20, which says, all glory to God, because he's the one that's able through his power working in us to accomplish infinitely more, infinitely more than we could ask or think. So that's why we're called No Limits Church, because that's the goal we're reaching for. So look at whoever you're with right now and just ask him the question, like, have you taken off the limits yet? Go ahead and ask him. Y'all get honest with each other. Have you done it? (laughs) So... We've been in this series for two months now, and honestly, I could keep this thing going all through next year, talking about miracles. But today is the last part. Like I said, next week is Legacy Sunday. Really excited about that. But you could recite this in your sleep by now, the core scripture for this series, but we're going to look at it one more time because the Word of God always gives us something new. It never gets old. So Mark chapter 11, verse 22, Jesus said to the disciples, so Jesus said to you guys, all right, this is his word to you, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. But when you're praying first, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So in this short lesson from Jesus, we get those four things, right? And you've written them down every week. You're probably tired of writing them down, but go ahead and write them down again. Pull out your message notes because we need the word of God to sink in to our hearts, right? Pull out your pen, pull out your message notes. You in the, in the school of the Lord this morning. All right, here they are. Have faith in God. Speak your faith. Remove the doubt. Forgive others. That last one you actually have to do first. Forgive others. And we've talked about all four of these in detail already. We've had an entire message dedicated to each one of these. And if you missed any of those, you can catch them on our website. And I definitely encourage you to do that if you've missed any of them, because all four of these things are foundational if you want to receive God's promises. You've got to understand all four of these. So go listen to those. And we also talked about another foundational subject just a few weeks ago, your God-given authority. Was that an eye-opener to anybody? That stuff is so good. It's very important for us to understand that God has given us all authority over the earth. And he's given us all authority over the devil. 
Jesus gave us that when he went to the cross. God gave us all authority over the earth at the very beginning when Adam and Eve were created. But we have all authority, yet most Christians willingly give their authority to Satan. That's what Adam and Eve did when they sinned against God by eating of that forbidden tree that he told them not to eat. He gave them one rule, y'all, and they broke it. And that's what we do whenever we habitually live in sin. We give our authority to Satan. And honestly, the American church is pretty pitiful right now because we've bought into the idea that in order to love people, we have to tolerate sin. And in many cases, we even celebrate sin just to make people feel accepted. And the problem is, if we don't resist sin, we hand our authority and we hand our power over to Satan to do what he wants to do in the world when God gave us power and authority to bring the kingdom of God into this world. You all understand that? I don't have time to get into this, but it is absolutely possible to love somebody and confront sin at the same time, and stand for the truth at the same time. We don't have to tolerate sin. We can confront it, and we can love people at the same time. And actually, I would argue with you guys that you don't truly love somebody unless you're willing to confront sin, because sin always leads to bondage, always. And you have the keys to freedom. So for you to just tolerate sin and celebrate sin along with them is like leaving them in a prison cell when you have the keys to set them free. Let's make it real, too. Why do we not want to confront sin? It comes back to our own selfish desires. We fear rejection. Let that settle in for a minute. We know that if we confront sin, they may not like us anymore. And we want people to like us. I understand. I want people to like me, too. Thank you. But we'd rather them like us than have a hard conversation with them that might launch them into freedom, that has the potential to launch them into freedom. Always brings me back to the story that I probably, you guys have probably heard this about me and my dad early on in the church. I think the church was five years old. I was a worship leader. He was the pastor. I was always telling him my ideas because I had the best ideas and he needed to hear all of them all the time. And he finally had enough and one day sat me down and said, do not share another idea with me. If you do, you can go find another church to serve, basically is what he said. And that broke my heart. That was mean, but it was needed. He, had, he spoke the truth to me, and that pivoted my whole life, and it changed my whole outlook, and it made me a much more enjoyable person to be around. Because my dad was willing to put our, tem- our relationship temporarily at odds, because I was mad at him for a little while, but I got over it, and everything was better afterwards, so sometimes you got to do that. This isn't the topic for today, but somebody needed to hear it. The Lord put that on my heart when I was preparing it. So if you struggle with everything that I just said, there is a whole series that we did back in March, I think it was, called Truth or Dare and basically helping you understand how do I stand for truth and love people well at the same time. There's a whole series on that. You'll find it on our website. Man, that was like a heavy way to start a message, wasn't it? Usually you save that kind of stuff for the end. So let's lighten things back up. Go ahead and look at somebody next to you and just smile at them. Give them the biggest smile you've had all week. Tell them you love them. All right. So everything that we've talked about the past two months has set us up to receive miracles from God. Like we said, he's, al- he's always been ready to perform the miracle. We've just been the ones getting in the way through our own doubt and unbelief. But now that we're ready to cooperate with what God wants to do in our lives, today I want to talk to you guys about the miracle of multiplication. And it's going to be so good. And I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be so good. <laughs> I just like scream. I'm so excited. But mul- multiplication, it was set in motion that the, when the earth was created. I mean, just think of an apple, right? In an apple, you have many seeds. And it just takes one of those seeds to grow an entire apple tree that will produce countless apples. And all those apples have multiple seeds on the inside of them that also have the potential to create a tree. And it just keeps going. Like, we can't even fathom how many apples can be created out of one apple seed. 
That is divine multiplication, and that is what God set in motion. And get this, our first commandment from God was to multiply. You'll find that in your message notes. Go ahead and fill that in. Take a look. It's found in Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So the first thing God asked us to do was to multiply, and then wrapped up in the same command was to subdue the earth, or take your authority that God's given you and use it to multiply, right? Good stuff. So now you can see how my previous message about your God-given authority ties into this message today of seeing the miracle of multiplication. Because if you don't understand your authority, you're going to struggle to see multiplication in your life. It'll actually never work. So if you still struggle with this authority thing, go back and listen to that message on our website. That's why we put it on there. And listen to it over and over and over again and find those scriptures that are in the message, dig into them, do your, do your part. You know, Sunday morning's not enough to understand these things. Do your part, study the word. It's gonna produce a harvest in your life. So divine multiplication, it's been around since the beginning of time. And it's so important to God that he didn't just ask us to multiply. He commanded us to multiply. Of course, Jesus gave us an example of it many times. There was one time that Jesus was trying to get away, like to get some time by himself, because John the, he just got the word that John the Baptist has, had been killed. So, I mean, he just needed some time, right? We all understand that. He was probably grieving a little bit. And, if, um, you know, someone spotted him while he was out doing his thing, trying to get some time. They're like, Jesus is in town. Hey, Jesus is in town. So this group of people came to go get healed by Jesus, like a lot of people, like Tens of thousands of people showed up to be healed at Jesus in this moment. It's crazy. I mean, he was just trying to get some time by himself. Man, how would you guys act if tens of thousands of people started asking you for something when you're just trying to have some time? Kind of feels like home sometimes, huh? With all your kids, like, uh, if you ask me to do one more thing. But here's what happened. Matthew 14, 15, that evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place because, you know, Jesus was trying to be by himself. So they were in a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, this isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of what? Leftovers? About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. It's believed that if you add women and children to the count, There was at least 15,000 people there that day and up to 30,000 people there that day. That's a lot of people to feed. And all it took was five loaves and two fish to feed all those people, combined with divine multiplication, right? To feed all these people. Or how about the early church? Like Jesus had just ascended into heaven and there were 120 disciples, followers of Jesus that were told to go up into an upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit to come, right? The Holy Spirit came, they began speaking in tongues, things got a little wild, it was probably like a Pentecostal church service, and I imagine it was a great time, but there were some people on the outside looking in, and they didn't understand, they were a little bit bothered by, these people must be drunk, what's wrong with these people? And so Peter, he gave a message to clear it up and to tell them what was going on, and after Peter's message, look at what happened, it's found in Acts 2.41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized And they added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So in one Sunday, this church went from 120 people to 3,000. Seriously, one Sunday, one message, that's all it took. That is divine multiplication. You know, that's just three places and about 1,000 places in Scripture where you're going to find evidence of divine multiplication. And we could keep going, but what I'm trying to help you all understand is that multiplication is a big deal to God. God has not just asked us to multiply, he's 
commanded us to multiply, yet somehow we've gotten off on the idea that multiplication is a bad thing. That's why you hear things like, you know, God just wants our church to be small. Nope, he's commanded us to multiply. God just wants me to be poor to keep me humble. Nope, God's commanded us to multiply. I can't handle more than one kid. Nope, God's commanded us to multiply. You can handle it. So, any idea that's contrary to multiplication is deception. Let that sink in. Any idea that's contrary to multiplication is deception. If you believe multiplication is a bad thing, you've been deceived. So cast off the deception today because I'm about to fill y'all with truth, all right? That truth is just going to flow off this stage. It's going to be a good time. All right, so let's go back to this authority thing. Since God has given us authority over the earth, that means we are to be stewards of the earth. Y'all have probably heard that before. In other words, God put us in charge of what belongs to him. He owns this place, but he's like, here, you guys take it, take care of it, multiply it, do your thing. And since we're stewards, we need to find out what's required of a steward. 1 Corinthians 4.2, moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. So in this verse, there's only one requirement for a steward mentioned. You have to be what? Faithful. So let me hear from you guys. How would you define faithfulness? Just go ahead and shout it out. Loyal. Dependable. Persistent. Unquestioning. How would you define faithfulness? Steadfast. Commitment. All those things you've mentioned are good qualities to have, and they actually line up with the dictionary's definition of faithfulness. But there is one very important thing that we missed. Multiplication. (laughs) Write this down. You're faithful when you multiply. Some of you might be really concerned for me right now, wondering if I've ever read a dictionary or if I even understand the English language. How could you define faithfulness as multiplication? Well, hang with me, because the Word of God is going to reveal it to you too. And to explain it, we've got to go to the parable of the talents. And it's found, not parable of the talents, but parable of the talents, right? Matthew 25, 14, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So this story is a parable, which means it's a made-up story to help us understand something. And if you're like me, you struggle with anything that's not literal. Anybody else in the room? So all of us literal, literal people have to just take a moment to understand the symbolism that's going on here. So let me help you out. In this story, the man represents Jesus, and the servants represent all of us. And notice it's a long trip. Long trip. So some of y'all have been wondering, what's taking Jesus so long to come back? Well, he gave you all a heads up. What are you complaining about? He told you it's going to be a long trip. In the meantime, while he's gone, he has fully entrusted us with his mission of advancing the kingdom of God. Now, another thing to notice is that this man that went on a long trip didn't occasionally come back to make sure that his servants were doing what he asked them to do. Nope, he told them what to do, and then he entrusted them for a long time to do it. We have a hard time understanding this because most managers and supervisors are micromanagers. They give us an assignment, and then they check on us a thousand times to make sure that we've done it right. God doesn't do this. He gives you an assignment, and then he fully entrusts you to carry through 
with the assignment. So if you're a manager or a supervisor, take some tips from God and give people an assignment and let them do it. Sure, they'll make mistakes, but you're going to have a much healthier team culture if you do it God's way. Well, let's continue this story. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. So most Bible translations use the word talent instead of silver. But the reason the NLT or the New Living Translation uses silver is because a talent, what it is, is a measure of weight. And they usually use it to measure the weight of gold or silver. So one talent is roughly 75 pounds. So one talent of silver is 75 pounds of silver. And most experts agree that one talent of silver today is worth about $18,000. So the first servant was given $90,000. The second was $36,000. And the third was $18,000. And the amount's not really what's important here. What I want you guys to realize is that they were given significant responsibility, right? Like if I gave somebody $18,000, even what the smallest servant got there, like that's a lot of money for me to entrust you with. And really, if you give it in silver, if I gave you 75 pounds of silver, I mean, that's no chump change. Now I have to take a moment to help out all my literal friends, because since we're talking about money, you might get wrapped up into thinking that this parable is all about money. But it's a parable. It's symbolic. This could be about money, but more likely than not, the money here represents the gifts that God gives you to make a difference in the lives of others while you're here on the earth. God gives you gifts to make you more effective. And notice that not everyone was given the same amount of gifts. We all know somebody that's more gifted than us. Maybe they have more gifts or they have the same gift, but they're better at it (laughs) than we are. So, there's like singers out there, right, that they inspire us. Like there's Beth, whenever she sings, she inspires us here at church. But then there's those that seem to like just be above them all. Like we're talking about what, like Celine Dion, Natalie Grant, who? You guys, Sandy Patty. (laughs) So the silver in this story, it represents the gifts that God gives us, and we all have a different amount. So let's go ahead and continue in this. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So let's make this story more real. I'm going to give these servants a name. So we got Mo, and he started with five, and he ended with ten. Then we got Larry. He started with two, and he ended with four. And then we got Curly. He started with one, and he ended with one. And now after the long trip, the master came back, and he had them give an account. What did you guys do with my money? So let's start with Mo's response. Old Mo said, to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver. He came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. What did the master have to say about this? Well, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Don't miss it. He said, you have been faithful. In other words, Jesus directly attributes faithfulness to multiplication. There was nothing else that this servant did that was highlighted. Just the fact that he multiplied. It didn't say he was dependable or consistent or loyal or any of that stuff. All those are good qualities, but all that's talked about here for faithfulness is multiplication. And it's the same for Larry. Larry came forward and said, Master, you give me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So once again, the servant multiplied, and it was accounted to him as 
faithfulness. And notice the master's response was exactly the same. This means that when we get to heaven, God's not going to pay any attention to the number of gifts that you show up with. He's going to ask you, did you multiply what I gave you? It doesn't matter that so-and-so has more gifts than you when they get to heaven, but did you multiply what I gave you? So quit comparing yourself to those who have more gifts or a higher caliber of gifts. The amount of gifts is irrelevant. The only thing he's going to ask you is, did you multiply what I gave you? An example would be like a stay-at-home mom who multiplied her effectiveness by pouring into her kids day in and day out. She will be equally as praised as an entrepreneur who multiplied his business and multiplied his giving to the kingdom of God. Now let's see what happened to Curly. The guy who hid his money. Curly said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man and harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. That doesn't sound so bad, right? If we've loaned money out before, we'd be okay just to get it back (laughs) the way that we loaned it out. But before we read about Curly's judgment, let's examine what's going on here. First of all, Curly didn't multiply. He maintained what was given to him. Don't miss it. He didn't multiply, he maintained. Also, he didn't understand the character of his master, so he incorrectly perceived him as harsh and unfair. Therefore, he was afraid, and fear is what shut him down and kept him from multiplying. And this happens to so many Christians because they don't understand God's character because either wrong teaching or they haven't taken enough time to get into the Word of God themselves, and so they perceive him the wrong way. They think that he's harsh and that he's unfair, and so they go into their little hidey hole and they live this pitiful life. Happens to a lot of people. But God is love. He is forgiveness. He is faithful. He is just. He is righteous. And he loves you too much to let you stay in your little hidey hole. So he's going to give you a stern rebuke. Take a look. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Oh man, can you imagine if somebody said that to you? What if I said that to you? You wicked and lazy servant. You all would leave the church and you'd go on social media and you would tell everybody how that pastor at No Limits Church is not even a real Christian because he says things that hurt my feelings. That's exactly how that would go down. Nevertheless, this is the response you're going to get when you get to heaven if you did not multiply what God gave you, you wicked and lazy servant. And I can see how the term wicked here just kind of like, did I lose my salvation? Like, like what happened here? No, you didn't lose your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. We all know that. Salvation was a gift through Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. But you do have an assignment here on earth. It doesn't end whenever you say yes to Jesus. He wants you to multiply after that. So let's look at this Greek word translated to wicked because it's going to open your eyes. It's really good. It's poneros, and it means full of labors, annoyances, hardships of a bad nature or condition. Wow. Like digging into these words, doesn't it just bring a much greater understanding whenever you dig into the Greek word? This servant lived a terrible life because he didn't multiply. He probably worked an annoying dead-end job. He probably didn't make enough money to take care of his family, so he was always burdened by credit card debt. Something was always going wrong. Something was always breaking down. He was full of labors, annoyances, and hardships. And because his life sucked, he developed a bad nature, so nobody wanted to be around him because he wasn't any fun to be around. In other words, he was called to make a difference in the lives of others, but all he did was run people off because he chose not to multiply. Now you see why the master called him wicked and lazy, don't you? He didn't do what he was asked to do. God had this abundant life plan for him where he could make a tremendous impact in the lives of others, but because he chose not to multiply, he just lived this miserable life and didn't impact anybody. So let me summarize this for you. Those who multiply are good and faithful. Those who maintain are full of hardships. 
that cause a bad nature. Ouch. Like, that hurts. I think we could all just kind of stop here and go lick our wounds, right? (laughs) But we're not going to do that. We're going to repent of all the times we've maintained, and we're going to press into multiplication. Because whatever God puts in our care, whether it's finances or gifts or kids or a business, we're to return it to him multiplied. That's what a good servant does. And here's the good news. You don't have to do it by yourself. Now we're going to get to the good news because some of y'all are feeling overwhelmed about right now. What do I do? Well, he unloads his grace to help you. That's how this works. So you might feel discouraged right now, but that is not the purpose of this message. I did not purpose to come in here and make you all feel discouraged. That is not my assignment here. I simply want to make you aware that the call to multiply is on your life, and it's a big deal. You can't ignore it. You shouldn't ignore it. You should press into it because it's the call in your life. It can be overwhelming, and even the Apostle Paul was overwhelmed with the call of God on his life. And you find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But look at God's response. Paul was crying out, God, I can't. this is so much. I don't know if I can do it. And here's what the Lord says. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then here's how Paul responded to that. He said, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Now, one of the Greek words for weaknesses is limitations. So just like you and I, the Apostle Paul had limitations. But limitations are actually a beautiful thing because when we reach our limit, God shows up with his grace and fills in the gap much better than we could have ever done by ourselves. And that's why Paul went from whining about his limitations to rejoicing about his limitations because every time I have a limitation, it's an opportunity for God to show up and show himself mighty. That's good stuff. And it's good news. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know everything. You don't know how, how to have to do everything, but you do have to learn how to rely on God's grace. Because without it, you're not going anywhere. It's called living by faith. And you, call, you see that in Romans 5 too. We have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. So now this is like full circle, right? We started this series talking about faith. And here we are, right back at faith. You see, the only way to multiply is by faith. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it without confidence in God's word. You can't do it without faith. You got to trust God to give you the grace every time you need it. You got to trust in the promises of God, even when it look, looks like they're not going to show up. You must really believe our core scripture. Now glory to God who is able through his mighty power working in us, through his grace working through us to accomplish, to multiply, right? And it would be overwhelming and discouraging to try to multiply on your own. And you guys all know about that. We've all tried to multiply on our own. It's quite discouraging. Never goes as well as you want it to. Thank God we don't have to because here's the good news. Your calling is greater than your natural ability. And since God has called you to do something that is far beyond you, he will fully equip you to accomplish what he's asked you to do through his grace. But you have to stop trying to do it on your own. (laughs) You have to stop trying to do it on your own, receive his grace by faith. And believe it or not, this parable is not over yet. Actually, we haven't even read the most shocking part (laughs) yet. Take a look at what happens next. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 bags of silver. What? Take from the person who only has one and give it to the person who has 10? That's just not Christian, y'all. That's not nice. I mean, the right thing to do would be to take from the person who has more and give it to the person who has less. Like socialism, anyone? Like we're about to find out that God is far from a socialist. This is going to hurt culture's feelings because we're so wrong. Now, to help us understand, I need three volunteers. Run on on up here if you want to be one of the volunteers today. Or I'll start calling on you. Here comes Mason and David. 
All right, and Brandon. All right, y'all stand right next to each other over here on this side of the stage. And stand back here so that Beth can walk in front of you. All right, so everybody look. We have Mo, and we have Larry, and we have Curly. All right. All right, so we, we know that Mo started with four and two and one, but they multiplied, so he has 10 now. Yep, so Mo has 10. Good luck holding all those. Man, Mo, you've done a good job. Look at that. All right, and then Larry has four. And Curly, you get one. But now, because the master has commanded it, you must take your one and you must give it to Mo. You got to do it. It's the story. Now, that does not seem fair. That doesn't seem fair at all. And that's not a very nice Christian. So we're going to rewrite this story in a way that's more fair, all right? So most people think this is how God would really handle it. Go ahead and give all the gifts back, please. First, we have to go back to the beginning of this story and make sure that they all start with the same amount. We can't start with different amounts because that's not fair either. So please give all of them three. Ah, now my socialistic ideas are fulfilled. I feel so much better now. Now, staying true to the story, the first two would multiply, but Curly would be lazy. So here's how it would end up. Mo ends up with six, so go ahead and give him three more. Larry also ends up with six. Curly, you're better this time. You, you, you still have three. I mean, that's good stuff, right? But now, y'all, we should all feel sorry for Curly for being lazy. I mean, he only, he only has three. He didn't multiply. So Mo and Larry, I need you each to give one to Curly, please, so that we all have the same amount. Now everybody has five. What do you guys think, everybody? Isn't that so much better? Isn't that how, how Jesus should have told the story? Well, you ended up with an extra one somehow. <laughs> you little turkey. Ponder on that for a minute, and let's give these guys a hand. Go ahead and give your gifts back. Good job. Y'all can go take a seat. I wanted to play this out for you guys so that you could clearly see that socialism is not God's idea. It is man's idea. And since it's man's idea, it will never work. Even though it sounds good, even though it feels good, it'll never work. And the reason why is given in the very next verse. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And then they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So you can see that socialism goes against the very wisdom of God. It's actually an antichrist spirit that rewards laziness and punishes faithfulness. That's exactly what it is. So matter, no matter how hard culture pushes its idea of socialism on us, the wisdom of God will always ring true. God will always reward those who multiply 
with more. Always. And we all know what the more is for, don't we? It's not so that we can have nicer cars or bigger houses or any of that stuff. It's so that we can be a blessing to those around us. So I want to pause right here, though, and make sure that we're all on the same page on something that's very important. God has also called us to take care of the poor. He has. So in no way in this message am I saying that we should neglect the poor. So don't get the wrong idea. We just have to learn to identify the difference between lazy and poor. Because a socialist approach gives equally to the lazy and to the poor. But if we give to the lazy, all we do is make them dependent on us. And we never want people to be dependent on us. They should always be dependent on God. And they should learn to multiply their own gifts so that they too can multiply and have an abundance and be a blessing to those around them. We don't want them to stay like that forever. That'd be terrible. So let's wrap this up by making it practical. Here's one commitment that I want you guys to make. If this message has touched you today, if it spoke to your heart, if you're like, man, I needed this, here's the commitment to make. And that's, I will multiply the gifts God has given me through faith. It's that simple. You just make a decision today. I'm not going to waste any more time maintaining. I'm going to multiply. I'm going to multiply. So let's take a moment right here and just let God's word settle into our hearts because we need to get this. Like we need this to, to be planted deep down on the inside and reap a bountiful harvest. We need this message to take root. So go ahead and just bow your eyes. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart right now and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Go ahead and keep your heads bowed. Before we leave today, I want to kind of clarify salvation for, for us. Sometimes we kind of skirt over it real quickly, and I just want to make sure that everybody understands it. The Word says that we are the bride of Christ, so that marriage is really an example of what salvation is like. When you think of a bride, whenever she gets married and she comes down the aisle and, and makes her vows to her husband and says, you know, I commit my life to you, She's saying no to all the other men in the world. All of them. She's really giving up a lot to say yes to that one man. And that is the, the parable of salvation that Jesus gives us. When you come to Jesus, it's not just a, yes, I receive you, Jesus, and now I'm going to go about living my own life. No, what's required in salvation is also repentance. You've got to turn from that life that you used to live and you've got to turn towards God. Because if you don't, the enemy comes and he steals away 
what belongs to you. That's why it's important to repent. And I don't know why we've got away from repentance, why we don't want to talk about it, because it's really freedom. And so my question for you guys today is, have you really done that? Have you walked down the aisle and said yes to God? I'm saying no to everything else, God, and I'm saying yes to you because I believe that your way is better. Because if you haven't done that, today's the day just to do that. You make that decision and you're not going to get it perfect from now on. It's a process. It's a journey. You need people to help you out. But you do need to make that commitment. And you, need, you do need to make that decision. That's a decision that you make in your, in your heart. You say, Jesus, I, I repent. I turn around. I turn towards you. I make you the savior of my life. I, I want to follow you. I want to follow your word. I believe that your word is truth. And I know I don't fully understand it all yet, but I know that as you reveal it to me, I'm going to be obedient to it. Every time you show me something, I'm going to obey it because I know that your word is right, that your word is just, and that your word is truth. I make that commitment to you today and every day. Thank you, Lord. And God, we thank you that you've called us to multiply. We thank you that you've entrusted us to be your servants, that you've given us everything that's yours and you entrusted it to us to go out and do good with it, to multiply it. And we thank you for the revelation that we got today, that our minds are renewed and that we're going to take the limits off of the multiplication in our lives. And we're never going to waste time maintaining, but we're going to look for you. We're going to look towards you. We're going to ask for your grace. And we're going to say, God, help me to multiply. I want to multiply. And whenever you make that decision, he helps you multiply. If you haven't multiplied already and you're like, Kate, I've never multiplied. I've always lived a life that was void of multiplication. Well, that's just simply because you haven't asked him to multiply you. So just ask him every day, God, I want you to multiply me. I want you to multiply these gifts. I want you to multiply everything in my life. And as you give me assignments, as you give me direction, I will be obedient to the word that you give me. God, we thank you. We worship you. We lift you high. We exalt you. We praise you. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Your way is better and always will be. And we trust in you. And we receive your peace. And we receive your grace. And we receive your love. And we receive your protection. And we receive your provision. And we receive your healing. We receive all these promises that you've given us. We receive. If there's anybody that would like prayer this morning, go ahead and come on up to the front. I don't want to get out of here without doing that. Okay, awesome. Well, Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Isn't God's word good? Man, it'll light you up. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to have to take a nap after that one. That was good stuff. Well, hey, if you gave your life to Jesus today, that's so awesome. There's an awesome journey that's ahead. We want to help you. 
you're never meant to do that by yourself. But we can't help you if we don't know. So we set up an easy way for you to tell us. You just text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. And what that does is that just helps us to take you through your next steps. Like next, you need to get baptized in water and there's some other things. And it's all fun stuff. It's all good stuff. And we would love to help you through that. So go ahead and send that text message if that's you. Now, last week, I reached out to you guys and I asked you to give toward a sock outreach. And you all showed up, and it was good stuff. We raised $614, which enabled us to purchase 183 pairs of really warm, really awesome socks. Now, the ringleader behind this outreach is actually one of the guys that's currently residing at the Don't Look Back house. He's been out of prison for like three months now. He's doing really well. And when he came up to pick up the socks this past week, I put him on the spot, and I pulled out my phone. I was like, hey, man, will you tell us your heart behind why you're doing this? So I wanted to show you guys that video, so y'all go ahead and cue that up. It's good stuff. My name is Chris Faust. I did six years in the penitentiary for uh, drug possession. Um, I applied at every place I could apply for the, for housing after I got out, and Don't Look Back was the only one that accepted me. Um, and it was a godsend. Without them, I'd be homeless. And, uh, you know, uh, I, when I was in prison, I turned my life over to God. And he's blessed me here in and here out, and there and, and everywhere. And uh, we really want to uh, go out and reach the homeless and let them know they're not forgotten. That, you know, God is with them. God is sending people for them. And we're standing behind them. And any way we can shape and form, we can help them. You know, and uh, they need the gospel just as well as anybody else. And um, I really want to be able to give them just just a pair of socks and be able to witness and, and preach the gospel. You know, that's and tell them know that they're not forgotten. That God is sending people to them, and that's what we're all about. And that's how uh, Don't Look Back got involved. Um, right now, there's three of us that are going out to preach the gospel to different uh, homeless camps and in different uh, homeless shelters in Tulsa and a bus station, everywhere we can find it, as many socks as we can possibly get out there for them. And, and, and especially, in the, they can find food, they can find shelter, but it's hard to find clothes and socks, especially when it's cold. And so that, that's what we're about. That's what we're doing, just to preach the gospel and be able to give socks. You know, God really put it on my heart and, and put it on all the guys' hearts, you know, the, to give back, and that's what we're about, so. Awesome, how many socks do you think that you have so far? Uh, right now, I don't know. I think about 200 socks. Awesome. And uh, there's other churches getting involved too. And uh, but we're trying to get, we're going to need as many socks as we can get. There's going to be a lot of homeless. And, uh, and right now, it's hard to find ho uh, a homeless shelter at this time of year, being cold. And so, as many pairs of socks as we can give, and we're going to do that. And we're going to hit all the places in Tulsa that we can in the surrounding communities. So. Awesome. Let's give God praise for that. So when he showed up, they had about 200 socks already. We gave them about 200 socks. So bam, we multiplied. Did y'all catch that? That's good stuff. Man, if you're ready to give today and you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. Or you can give anytime online. And how you do that is at nolimits.fyi. You'll find a giving button there. Just slap that giving button. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. 
And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.